with employee advocacy, it can be a slippery slope, but it's an important one to address from the forefront because you're giving your employees pre-approved messaging, right? You're giving them information that you want them to share, but you want them to share in their own tone of voice. So by the end of the day, it's your own personal name going out there in the world. So you should just be proud and confident in what you're saying and make sure it speaks positively on behalf of the brand. Like I always say, if you're tweeting something, if you're posting on Instagram, you should be confident enough to go say that exact same tweet in front of your whole organization. Welcome to the Social Complex Podcast, where we are diving into the complex impact and influence of social media on brands, brains, and the bigger picture of our modern world. Here's your host, Hillary Applegate. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Complex Podcast. Companies around the world are focused on their customers and growing that customer base as much as possible because who wouldn't want growth? But there is one category that is always underlooked when it comes to promotion of a organization's goods, services, and talent, and that is their employees. Your employee network is more valuable than you could ever imagine. These are people who are your day in, day out advocates and promoters, and they're the ones that are going to be expressing your brand through their interactions with your end customers. So today we are going to be chatting with a subject matter expert who has not just built and developed these programs in-house, but also has worked on the technology side that is allowing and enabling companies to do this in the first place. And that is Braden Cohen. Braden has spent the past several years as a marketer focused on developing social media content, influencer, and employee advocacy programs for disruptive brands to scale and level up their social media and marketing strategies. In this conversation, we're getting into what is employee advocacy, why it's important in today's digital landscape, and how companies can foster a culture that contributes to employee advocacy being successful, the level of involvement that's needed from leadership, the tools and platforms that are available, and going through some of those challenges in order to make it a very possible and very realistic end result for users. So without further ado, let's get into it. What have you been doing since we last talked? Which is... What? It's been months. It's been months. It's been a long time. Um, from a work level, um, I've been building one password social program. I've been here now just under half a year. So there's been a lot of work to be done, but just putting in kind of a lot of the fundamental ground rules before we expand our program into, you know, different markets, different channels, test new things. So really thinking about what 2024 has in store and putting those processes into place. How about you? Oh, gosh. I have just been running all <laughs> over the place. I have been on airplanes, planes, trains, and automobiles. And uh, it's just, it's been a crazy year. And I feel like when COVID originally had hit in 2020, everybody just did digital transformation overnight and like made it work and figured it out. But now that we have been in this hybrid work model for three years, I feel like now companies are. I would say even more so investing in digital and in social than they were previously, especially when it comes to how they're interacting with employees and like tapping into that market. So it's been crazy. 100%. It's no longer really just this like nice to have. It's a must have. Like if a brand doesn't, you know, participate in social employee advocacy, it's like, 
you're starting to become a laggard really in the industry because of that. And especially working in tech and immersive tech, you probably are, are very upfront and, and firsthand knowledge of just how much the reflection of having a great social presence or online presence versus not having one can positively or negatively impact a brand's perception among the market. You know, I understand that some brands aren't ready or they might not have the resource or capacity to get there, but there needs to be a point in time where it's baked into their plans and in the fundamental roots of their marketing organization. Like, we're going to get there and this is when we're going to get there, what we need to get there. Um, and that hopefully brings forward a robust and amazing social or employee advocacy program. So what are some of the main focuses for you over at 1Password? What are, what are your key initiatives that you've been hammering down over the last year? Yeah, so really for me within the past like half a year, I've been focusing on marketing and social and giving social a seat at the table within the marketing organization. So how can social show up and be that voice for all of our campaigns? How can we start thinking more about our evergreen content? But at the same time, also, how are we like tracking and measuring attribution? So these are the really basic fundamentals of what you need to build a successful program. But it's really important not to put the cart before the horse. I think I said that correctly. Because um, at the end of the day, you need to make sure you have the basic set down Pat before you can build upon that. So that's really what I've been focused on. We're a small but mighty team and we've done a lot of work, but there's a lot still to be done. So within your organization, are you seeing that it can be whether your organization or your industry, are you seeing any type of focus or shift in focus towards using social media to engage and interact with employees? Definitely. Um, you know, more and more um, since I started here at 1Password and also coming from Hootsuite beforehand, where I led um, a big part of their employee advocacy program, employee advocacy continues to be something that we talk more about because we see that there's a need for it within our organization. Are we there yet? Not yet, but we're having the preliminary important conversations. And because as our business expands and our employee base expands, we want to make sure we're able to give the employees the tools that they need and want to help speak on behalf of our brand at the same time. Because the more employees we have, the larger our message could be and the farther reach we could get. And that is also a fascinating dichotomy of what it used to be back in like even 2013, 2014, where organizations were putting out, don't talk about us on social media. You are not a, you know, spokesperson for the organization. That was when the weird, like, you know, people would put on Twitter, like, I do not speak on behalf of my company. Oh, right. Thoughts are my own. Like the disclaimers <laughs> and whatnot, which makes sense for news organizations or things like that. But it's like, you know, Baskin Robbins, <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, I'm not a spokesperson. So how has that culture uh, shifted? when it comes to how organizations are utilizing and encouraging their employees as part of their social ecosystem? That's such a great question. And when you think about it, like, I don't know if there was a specific tipping point within that whole era of like saying, I don't speak on behalf of the brand or my employer, but it's maybe it's just overnight or the COVID thing. I don't know. I would say... You know, it's really changed because 
With employee advocacy, it can be a slippery slope. But it's, an, it's an important one to address from the forefront because at the end of the day, you're giving your employees pre-approved messaging, right? You're giving them information that you want them to share, but you want them to share in their own tone of voice. So I don't really think um, it's necessary per se to have like that in your bio that you're not, you know, you're talking on behalf of the um, employer or you're not. But at the end of the day, it's your own personal name going out there in the world. So you should just be proud and confident in what you're saying and make sure it speaks positively on behalf of the brand. Like I always say, if you're tweeting something, if you're posting on Instagram, you should be confident enough to go say that exact same tweet in front of your whole organization and present it in front of the whole organization. And if, if you aren't confident with that or you feel like something's not right, then you probably shouldn't be tweeting it out. Or posting it on Instagram. Yeah, if, if you're not comfortable with it coming up in a uh, annual meeting, then maybe don't say it. Hundred percent. Like it's that simple. I like I know it's not so black and white, and there is a bit of a gray area. But if you feel like there's a gray area, then you probably just should hold off overall. Do you think that the gray area has made it challenging for employees to adopt a mentality of? speaking out or positively sharing on behalf of the organizations that they work for? I think it really depends on the culture of your organization and what does employee engagement look like? What does employee trust look like? And it depends on the industry you're operating in. Of course, if you're in more of a regulated industry, like maybe cybersecurity, FinServe, Gov, like at the end of the day, you'll definitely want to uh, err on the side of caution when it comes to that gray area as an employee and the message you're putting out there. But then if you think about brands that are a bit more um, wild online, like the Duolingos of the world, employee sharing might look a lot different for them because that's kind of part of their brand ethos and maybe how they work internally within their culture as well. So it, it, it could really go both ways and what that gray area looks like from organization to organization. You said something that caught my attention earlier when you said that it really starts from within the organization itself and how they are approaching it and how they are encouraging it among their employees. What, in your opinion, does a successful employee advocacy program look like for uh, an organization? Let's say that they're, you know, an enterprise level organization. So success could look different, um, like come in many different ways. I think it really depends where you're focusing on your employee advocacy program. So for me, when I think about it, there's like the um, DEIB HR people program standpoint. There's the sales enablement and social selling standpoint. And then there's the brand reputation and just like supporting marketing campaigns point of view. So looking at the KPIs from those three areas, they could all look very different. When we're talking about... Uh, people programs initiatives, you might look at KPIs or success metrics around um, number of impl- uh, like applicants and candidates that come in at the top of the funnel, or maybe how many reshares like ERG specific posts um, within your employee advocacy program gets. From a social selling standpoint, you might want to look at things like how many leads have we driven? Um, how many sales assists, like onboarding messages, have we um, helped shift with employee advocacy? And then lastly, thinking about more of that marketing brand standpoint, you could look at things like total reach or engagements or overall like social share of voice around your brand. 
So there's a lot of different areas that you could tackle and different ways that you can measure success or what that could look like. So if an organization was interested in a program like this, what are the steps that you would recommend that they take to get started? For sure. So first thing, you need buy-in. Like I always like to think of it as you should have an executive buy-in as part of this program before moving forward, because it's likely that you're probably investing in a software to build your employee advocacy program. You can do it grassroots, but to really scale it long-term, not the best way to do that. So executive buy-in first and foremost, and you'll also want to make sure you have cross-functional buy-in as well as part of your program. You'll want to make sure you have different stakeholders in different areas of the business to understand the value it can bring. So for example, when we think about an employee advocacy program and how that relates to like people programs, sales, or marketing, you'll want to make sure you have key stakeholders that are bought in from each of those program areas. And they could also probably help you with um, feeding in content within your program as well. To also help like as a next step of success, it's obviously it's like it's obvious you need to make sure that your employees are bought in and that they're sharing content on behalf of your brand. So one thing I did back when I was at Hootsuite is I put together mandatory onboarding for all employees to make sure they were uh, familiar with um, the benefits of employee advocacy and how to use the tool themselves and how to position themselves as thought leaders. And by having that onboarding and that training tool that's on demand, it then enables them to make sure that they're using the tool to the highest success of like, the highest success rate and that we make sure that they are um, regularly checking, sharing, and then that's obviously helping with our program metrics overall. Awesome. You definitely do not get 100% adoption. You're going to have some naysayers. I, I know, I wish too. <laughs> You're going to have some naysayers. You're going to have some, you know, less than enthusiastic people uh, that are involved in this entire process. What are some actions that can be taken to really improve the likelihood and the chance of longevity for these kinds of programs? Yeah, that's a good question. So you'll want to make sure that your employees are bought into the program. Like you just don't want it to be a one and done rollout. It needs to be kind of slow and steady wins the race type of deal. So I like to start with a small cohort when rolling out the program. And those were probably people that are already uh, brand advocates that are champions for your brand. It might be because they're new, so they're super stoked or just highly engaged employees because they love the product, they're passionate about it. Uh, we tend to see a lot of those folks tend to fit within like the sales organization. Like, you know, typically, pretty raw 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 which we love um, so i like to kind of roll things out that way um, to identify brand advocates first and foremost and also make sure that every employee knows that they can feed into the content we're sharing so if there's something they're passionate about or something that they think our employees should be sharing on behalf of our brand or industry then let them contribute content to the program so that will help them feel like they're empowered and they're part of you know what they're part of it, um, which I think is really important. And then lastly, to help with adoption, gamification. So we all know we see brands do this all the time. You hop on a company website and you want to buy something and you know you get that spinning wheel of discounts. Like the gamification aspect to employee advocacy is also there. So one thing that I tested multiple times at Hootsuite was if an employee were to share a certain number of posts every month, or uh, a or an employee that had the most amount of reach on their post, they were then entered in to win uh, different gift cards, swags, 
tech, like tech items, or like they can make a donation to an organization that we would then pay for. There are so many different ways to offer incentives and gamify, and that really helps increase overall adoption as well. I love that. That is creative. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just me. It was a team effort, but uh, that really helped kind of take us over to the next step of our program and increase our overall uh, metrics. It's not bribery, you know, it, it, it's... It's no. just really leaning. It's a gray area. It is a gray area, but I love it. That's awesome. And I, that also is really similar to, you know, what we see with customer loyalty programs and how the more that your customers are obsessed with you and the more they're interacting with you, the more benefits that they're going to get in real life and not just, uh, you know, pat on the back style. So I love that. For sure. And I love that you actually brought up that um, customer loyalty standpoint, because your employees think about them as like advocates for your brand. They are influencers that work for your organization and they have reach that is untapped that your brand would never be able to get from paid social, organic social, email, like no other marketing channel. So by tapping into your employees, aka brand advocates and influencers, you're increasing your reach. Um so, you know, throwing a few thousand dollars towards a program is going to really help in the long term um, overall with key metrics like that. So there's a lot of stakeholders that are tuned into a program like this and who are very invested in their employees and how they are promoting the organization, but also their level of engagement and this being one component of it. Who are some of the key people that need to be a part of this program to really maximize its potential? Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned earlier on, it's very important to have that executive buy-in to help bring the product in and roll that out to the organization. You'll want to make sure you're working really closely with the program owner. So in this case, it might be someone that sits under your marketing org, or sometimes it sits under employer brand as well. So program owner, check. Next person you'll want to be part of that is probably someone that's in like crisis columns or corporate communications because you'll want them to have a pulse on a lot of the content that's going out, especially if it's about brand reputation or just like company approved messaging. You'll want to make sure they understand that framework from the early get go. So PR person, check. Um, next, I would recommend someone from employer brand or HR programs, because there's so much content that can feed into your employee advocacy program that comes from that area of the business. And then I would say also members of the sales org, because employee advocacy and social selling, there's so many, um, there's so much uh, overlap between the two. So it's important to make sure that there is someone like whether they're part of sales enablement or they lead like an account executive team that they're bought in and can then like on board and, and make sure that their team is invested in uh, supporting this employee advocacy and employee advocacy initiative for the organization too. And that's a lot of people that are going to have to have to be involved here. <laughs> it, it is. I called it uh, a content council. So it's your council of representatives from different areas of the organization that kind of oversee the program from their functional department. And you meet together to discuss program metrics, who owns what content, and it really is just to hold everyone accountable to the success of the program. I love that you programmatize, pro, pro, programmatize it. Is that even a word? 
We're going to make it programmatic? I don't know. We're going to make it a word. But you turned this into a program. It's not just a one-off thought or, you know, something that you're going to throw as a bullet point on someone's job description after they've been hired. It really is something that does take involvement from all levels of leadership uh, and various departments in order to be successful. And I love that you have built this out and this framework for what a successful program is going to look like. Because there are companies out there right now that are thinking about employee advocacy and they are saying, okay, we're going to forward our social posts out to our employees and see what they do with it. And that's our program. Yeah. You know what? Like I have such an internal conflict because I think employee advocacy is this great avenue for marketers to go into, uh, especially social marketers. It broadens their horizons with their career path. But at the end of the day, this shouldn't, as you said, just be like a responsibility or a bullet thrown onto their job description. It takes a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting. And the person owning this program needs to have experience, you know, with pitching to leadership. They need to have experience working cross-functionally, leading programs. So if this isn't really a side-of-table job, it's something that needs to be built out. And if it's not built out properly, it likely will fall. Yeah, absolutely. So let's level set expectations. because, And I think that a lot of this episode already has been that as far as who needs to be involved, what do you need to consider? How do you want to build out your KPIs investment-wise? Start thinking about tools and not bribery, but, you know, excitement, loyalty, all that good stuff, all the fun things. But So there's a lot of level setting there. I also want to level set time and the investment of time into this. So I have two time questions for you. One is how long from initial planning to go live is this timing in your in your world? How long does this on average take and should an organization expect from a timing perspective to do it right? Ooh, to do it right. That's that's, that's a key the part key of the question. <laughs> so I would say if you're onboarding a new product or solution, obviously there's many steps you probably need to go through with procurement and security to get something approved um, for your organization. I would say the one thing that is always my biggest worry if bringing on this program is, will employees be receptive? Are they going to want to download a third-party app onto their phone? Are they going to want to log into another website to share content? So that's the one thing that you need to think about from the get-go. And I would say in order to start from onboarding the product into your organization and making employees aware of it to actually launching the program, I would give yourself at least one quarter, like three months, if not a bit more. Because really, at the end of the day, you want to make sure you're doing it right. You want to make sure that you have the right counterparts involved. You want to make sure that you have content ready to go when sharing and you have those workflows set up. It's all a test and iterate process. You're going to launch it. You're going to learn something. But you don't want it to just fall on deaf ears. You want to make sure there's always content to be shared. There's always excitement to build up that hype around the program. And if you don't have all those kind of key milestones in place leading up and after launch, I think that's when it becomes a slippery slope. Awesome. And then my second question (laughs) is going to be, when it comes to your internal thinking and that content council that you have so so uh, meticulously put together, what is the k 
cadence of meetings and touch base that that team should expect to have? Firstly, I'm going to trademark content council. So thank you very much. <laughs> TM. Uh, yeah, that, that was the tricky part I had back at Hootsuite because initially I had set up, I think, monthly meetings. That that was too much. I set up quarterly meetings. Uh, I was just like, I'm so busy. I don't even really want to be leading these meetings. So what I ended up doing is it was all asynchronous. Um, I had a document that the members of the content council would fill out anytime they shared a post to amplify or to sorry, our employee advocacy solution to, um, have it, like employees then to reshare out. I would send out async messages on Slack. I would some, sometimes send out email comms. Reminders would be shared in their calendars to hold them accountable at the beginning of the month and end of the month. And I found that actually the ACE, like synchronized communication worked wonders as opposed to like just having another meeting in their calendar to talk about something that they could probably hear about in a Slack message. Could have been an email. Exactly. We need that meme right here. Insert meme into your <laughs> podcast ears. I, I love it. I, and I, I think that that's something that it's great to hear that you were able to launch and manage a program without having that level of frequency of meeting in person or virtually, because that is another factor. And I would say barrier to entry is that People will look Mm -hmm. at this program and say, okay, well, I'm part of this content council, TM, and now I am going to have to dedicate more time to it. I'm going to have to be on these monthly calls. And that's like the last thing that people want to do. Um, So to hear that you've been able to find a semi-hybrid model to it, I think should be very encouraging to, to listeners. For sure. And I think that does come back to identifying who those passionate brand advocates are and having them be members of the council. Because... If they're advocates for the brand, they'll see the value in this straight up up front. So they won't really question it. And in that way, they are willing to give up more of their time to support you and the TM Content Council. (laughs) I love it. So let's get into training because there does have to be some sense of guardrails when rolling out a program like this. Uh, not just to protect the brand, but to also empower the employees. People do like having a sandbox to be able to work in and know where the boundaries are. What kind of training do you recommend to organizations that are rolling out a program like this? Mm -hmm. So I would say most organizations that are rolling out uh, employee advocacy program probably are larger in size or probably enterprise organizations if they're looking to invest their money in a solution. And most of these companies probably also have some type of learning and development uh, portal for their employees already. So one thing I would highly recommend doing to ensure that employees are aware of how to use the product and the goals of the program is to record like an on-demand onboarding video of how to use the tool or what the goals are of the program or what the mission or vision is of it. And then that can then be shared out, that on-demand video, um, across the organization. You could work with your learning and development team to ensure that that becomes mandatory or optional part of employee, employee onboarding. And then one thing I liked to run internally at Hootsuite was I kind of did like a retargeting campaign. And so what I would do is I would look into the tool and see who is currently using the employee advocacy tool and who isn't. I would then send out a targeted email to the folks that weren't using it, and I would send them the uh, on-demand onboarding video, and then I would send them an email with a bit more information, and then I would track to see if they kind of 
had um, if, if I had won them over or if they were just like, you know, a churn. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a really uh, a fun way for me to kind of make sure that employees are being onboarded and brought into the program. Properly. I love that. I love and I love the cross use of retargeting but internally. I haven't heard that one. I really like it, though. <laughs> me neither. I was just trying to, you know, be creative here. And did it work? <laughs> it, it honestly worked for sure. Um, it's, it's a great way to, it's like low hanging fruit. You know, you, you see people that are already part of the program. They have a seat in the solution, but they're not using it and they're not activated. So how could we kind of reactivate them, uh, to be part of that? Yeah. I also want to make sure I answered that question. You did. That was, did I? that was okay. perfect. Yeah. That was a great okay. job. The, the, the training and the, the idea of it. <laughs> What advice do you have for companies that may have a program that they've rolled out, they're trying to troubleshoot it or revamp it, it's not performing well? What advice would you give to them on where to look and, and how to reinvigorate that program? I would try um, collaborating with your internal communications team. Try running an internal survey to see what employees would want to get out of the program and why employees aren't already using the program, or maybe they just don't know about it and they don't know about the employee advocacy tool that you have. I ran a similar survey over at Hootsuite before I start, when I first started, because before I launched a program, I wanted to understand areas of opportunity, what the pain points were with the program before I started as well. And that identified a lot of different layers for me and areas that I could then leverage when I was kind of relaunching the program. And, um, pain points of messaging that I could lean into. So, you know, something simple, like put together a Google form, share it out on Slack, share it out with other leaders across the organization for them to um, to then send with their, their functional department and then use that as a stepping point into building out that next layer of kind of retargeting or re-incentivizing employees. And that was actually one of the places that I found out I could leverage gamification because employees told me that they would be more likely to share content if there was some sort of like incentive tied to it. So I ran that as a three-month trial and it worked really well. And then I kept going with it quarter after quarter. I love it. That's so awesome. I think that there's a, a lot of value there when you start you know, treating it like fun as it should be, you know, it's work should be fun. <laughs> work, work should be fun. Trademark that one too. Trademark. <laughs> That's It'd hilarious. I love that. So what role would you say that um, an employee advocacy program should play in a company's overall social media strategy? Like I know you said that you can have employees that are contributing to content uh, as part of this program, how can you even invigorate them even like one level further to where it's even the company getting involved in some of this content and really starting to build more of that relational side um, and extension of social media for the organization itself? Mm -hmm. So firstly, I like to think if employer advocacy sits in the social program bucket, I like to think of it as its own channel, as its own social network, and your audience are your employees. So similar like the way you would treat Instagram as a social network and your followers as your audience, just bring that over to employees. So the way I kind of tie in employee advocacy more to the company ethos and culture and campaign frameworks is when we are resourcing 
something for social to support a campaign, I think about how is employee advocacy part of that campaign and going to promote that on that channel specifically. So what do we need for design assets? What type of captions and copy do we need for employees to share their messaging on LinkedIn versus Twitter? How are we going to ensure that employees are aware that there's content available for them to share? Who's going to be that stakeholder on launch day to tell all the employees that there's content already available for them in the tool? And similarly around kind of building that more closely tied to like your brand or your brand reputation. If you have a big announcement, like for example, let's say your company is acquiring um, a smaller organization and you know you're going live with content tomorrow. The day before, you should have pre-planned content in there. So when the acquisition announcement is live, employers are then sharing that out right away. So the employee advocacy tool kind of ends up being the employee source of truth for company approved messaging on behalf of the brand and the employee. And you keep mentioning some tools, which means you've got some ideas of which tools you like the best for these kinds of programs. What are some of those? So I will only speak to the tools that I've used, um, which, you know, it's not too many. It's actually two of them. So both Hootsuite and Sprout Social have a tool uh, for employee advocacy. They're both great solutions. So, you know, if you're looking to test something out, I would highly recommend just checking out a demo to see which one, you know, you prefer, depending on your business goals, needs, and budgets. Awesome. I know there's a handful of them out there, and it's just becoming increasingly a popular space, but... I'm a big Sprout Social girl over here. I'm a, I'm a fan of them. They've always been one of my favorites. They, uh, yeah, I'm using them right now over at 1Password, and I'm a big fan of Sprout Social, yeah. I must say. Also coming from Hootsuite, big fan of Hootsuite, too, of- so it's a little bit of this like... Ah. Hootsuite is OG, though. They are, <laughs> they are like the first social media scheduler. I, I mean, were they? Was it them or Buffer? They were. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was Hootsuite. Yeah, yeah. so they were just way back when. I know. I was like, I remember Hootsuite very well from my early days. But (laughs) I know, I know. I love it. I love it so much. How how do you see employee advocacy evolving with social media as it's going right now? Because the employee age range is changing. We are. I mean, always getting fresh meat and to into these companies, you know, that are going to be on TikTok or whatever they're going to threads. Be real, I don't even know where people are going to go next. But when you think about how the employee landscape is going to be shifting, you know, over the next couple of years, how, if you had a crystal ball, would you expect? employee advocacy to follow with these kinds of programs? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm assuming you're also referring to the fresh meat as being like the younger generations. That yes, are that's fresh meat. <laughs> and with the there we go. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm like, I need to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> like college grads. Oh, oh no, scary times. You- okay. Uh, well, yeah. So... Employee advocacy, you know, TikTok and threads and Be Real aren't the first places I think about when I think about employee advocacy. Not to say that videos around, like, you know, company-approved messaging can't happen on TikTok. I think they can. It's just not the most common place for them right now. I would say that, especially Gen Z, they trust people within their network and other employees more than they trust the brands themselves. 
So I think there's going to be even a larger case and a reason why brands need to invest in employee advocacy, because as organic social and algorithm changes again begin to be more and more challenging for marketers, there needs to be another avenue to tap those markets. And not every brand has this big paid social or like, you know, Google search um, budget within their back pocket. So employee advocacy, I would say, is a bit more of a grassroots way to reach those audiences. But at the same time, we know that Gen Z don't kind of like being told what to share. I'm sure there's a lot of stats and data about this. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I'm sure we can find it. So I think brands are just going to have to have a bit more wiggle room within what they allow employees to share on behalf of a brand. You need to make sure that the content you're giving your employees is like can be justified to be edited by the employees so they can put their own personal messaging um, and their own tone on it. Because the last thing you want to see, and I'm sure we've all seen it before, is the exact same message flooding your LinkedIn feed from all the employees of this one company. Like that is like no chill there. It, it, that that does the exact opposite of what employee advocacy should. Yeah. And I, I do think that a lot of organizations, especially around like layoffs or negative news, I mean, whether or not a company is on TikTok, that's on TikTok. So if you have done something that has had a negative impact on employees, um, I think it amplifies the level of disgruntled. And sometimes Mm -hmm. organizations can be like, well, I don't want to be any part of that. I don't want to have anything there. But the reality is that you get to control your narrative a bit more when you do enable and encourage positive storytelling and, you know, create those memorable moments for employees to share on behalf of the brand through their own lens rather than through a curated feed. So I I think that that's going to have to be the future for employee advocacy. And even in the last 10 years, I, I feel like I've already seen a lot of the stringent social media guidelines and policies that you sign in your docket. Those have really started to shift and change in the language and how they're approaching social. So I would be really surprised if we don't see that even more so expanding and extending because I agree with you that these programs are so valuable to to the companies but also to the individuals themselves. 100%. And you know, you brought up an interesting point about like brands maybe doing layoffs or some negative messaging in the media around a brand also like what what's happening in the world like there are times where you need to pause your messaging on social or on any external marketing platform because it's just sometimes not appropriate or you don't want to add fuel to the fire and same goes for an employee employee advocacy if you're pause sending customer calls or any social messaging your employees should not be sending any messaging there shouldn't be brand approved messaging going out you should be paused uh you don't want to add noise you don't want to add fuel to the fire there so it's it's an interesting lens to think about like the control of messaging on behalf of your brand and the way employee advocacy kind of ties into that overall framework. It also goes back to what you were talking about, about how it has to really come from leadership and there has to have that leadership buy-in because I'm even thinking about, you know, town halls or a rollout of messaging that might not necessarily be super, you know, positive or performance rollout that you have to have to explain to your employees. I mean, all of the things that come with running a company in general 
but take that to the employee advocacy side. It's having that discernment. We're not going to roll out our vote for us for best places to work survey right after we said that, you know, we're not doing bonuses this year. Like we need to read the room. A hundred percent. And that's why employee advocacy and actually social, like social for sure. That's why you need to have a seat at the table at so many different areas of the business because it's tied to employee engagement. Like if, if you have disgruntled employees and employees aren't motivated, they're likely going to go to social to complain about your organization because maybe they didn't get that bonus or, but like at the same time, if you have, um, low engagement scores in your organization, your employee advocacy adoption is going to be very low because why would an employee want to go the extra mile to share something on behalf of the brand? So they go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I think this is awesome. Last question that I'm going to ask, what do you expect to see this year come out from the lens of employee advocacy and organizations, you know, that are are really trying to tap into their employee engagement online and and via content. What are some trends or expectations that you have for, for this year? I think um, that's a good question. And one I haven't fully thought about yet, but 2024 is here. So I need to think about it. Uh, I think it's, it's time that employee advocacy isn't going to be an afterthought. I think brands are going to start to realize that they are tiring out this, the messaging, the, the avenues they have to talk to their employees and the way that they share out content on their channels. It can no longer be super grassroots. As businesses grow, as they move into a new year and look at fiscal budgets, they need to better understand how a solution like employee advocacy is going to help them reach that next level of their business growth to A, help with employee engagement, but to B, get more reach and awareness and maybe even drive more leads towards their content and what they're doing to help grow their business. Because time and time again, there's a lot of noise on the channels you're already using and it's becoming more and more competitive. So tapping into employee networks within the next year is just going to be critical. Critical, I would agree. Brayden, thank you so hard stop TM. Job should be fun. Thanks to the content council. We've got a lot of good ones in here today. But Brayden, thank you so much for coming on the Social Complex podcast. Please let the audience know where can they follow you, learn from you, support you, all the good things. Shameless plug, follow me on LinkedIn. That is where I spend a lot of my professional time. So yeah, you can follow me there, Braden Cohen. And I love being on the Social Complex podcast. Thank you so Amazing. much for having me. Amazing. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Social Complex podcast. Your support means the world to me. So if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, be sure to leave a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. We'll be releasing a new episode every Tuesday, bringing you various stories, deep dives, and discussions around the complexities of social media in our modern world. To follow along for more, be sure to follow us at Your Social HQ on Instagram or check out Social HQ at www.yoursocialhq.com. I'm your host, Hillary Applegate, and I'll see you back here next week. Stay sane out there.